Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. So we're starting in the book of Acts. And um, so, yeah, and I want to do this. It's probably going to be more Bible study style, but it's, it's going to be good regardless. Uh, I say that even though I'm giving it, but it, the Lord is going to be good <laughs> in giving this information to us. So one of the things, one of the handouts we have uh, still look like this. So it's like a, a so it says the chronology of Acts. Um, and it's like a timeline and it shows from the resurrection of Jesus and it goes through to, um, I think, about 30 years. So from the resurrection of Jesus, and he's, he's been seen for 40 or 50 days after his resurrection by the apostles or the disciples. Then it goes through the Acts of the Apostles. That's what the title is called. But it really should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit, I think, because it really is about what the Holy Spirit is doing in the early church. Um, so you may rename. No, I'm not renaming anything. But, <laughs> uh, but it's about the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And so, it's, so just to give you kind of a, how this is read, so you have here, I have to take my glasses off to see it here myself. You have in the top, you have Tiberius, uh, Caligula, Claudius, Nero, and these are the kings during that time. And so then you have here, you see in this box here, it says the resurrection of Jesus. And this is about 30 to 33 AD. And then it goes through what goes on. And really, the, only the first eight chapters are really about, you hear about what the apostles are doing. And then Paul comes on the scene that takes over everything. So Paul is just like, oh, it's all really about Paul at that point. And sometimes we look at the Bible very linearly and not thinking and not thinking that during this 30 or 33-year period, Paul is writing the letters, the epistles, during this time frame. So when I thought about that, I was like, man, Paul, I mean, the Lord had to be with Paul during this season because it's hard for me to write a letter period, <laughs> but to write multiple letters to multiple churches that, uh, that we now look as foundational to what we believe, uh, man, the Holy Spirit was breathing on him, and he wasn't just, you know, it's one thing you say, well, I spent 30 years writing 15 books, you know, he wasn't just doing that, he was going out and ministering to people, and, and witnessing, and healing people, and, you know, so it was, so yeah, Paul, the Holy Spirit was definitely with Paul, and during his conversion. And so then it goes through here. So then I like this timeline. There are many timelines you can find online. But I like this timeline because it gave the time period to when he wrote those books so you can see what year uh, or they expected that these books were written. And so it gives you kind of some kind of frame of reference. And then also uh, there are some things here that talk about when he did his journey. So his first journey, his second, third, and then his fourth journey to Rome. Um, so I like that. Then on the back side, the color copy. Keep this because I spent a lot of money on copies. <laughs> but when we get to, so this is we, this is something you're going to need every Sunday because when we get to this, this is going to go through the journeys of Paul. And I think to me, it just brings it to life when I can see where he was. You know, when I can say, "Oh, Paul was here and he was preaching," and you can refer to this map on his first journey, and then you can look at, when we talk about his second journey, you can refer to this map and see where he was, and, uh, and then it goes from there. And then there is, um, and now, and another hand, I was killing a lot of trees today, uh, last night. <laughs> and then there is uh, an outline out here that the ushers have, I think. 
Um, so they gave them out. Okay, good. Uh, great. Because I was like, man, I'm so late with getting this done. Um, but uh, definitely, you, that's something, this is the first chapter that we'll, we'll try to go through today. I pray that we get it all done. Uh, but we'll have an outline for each chapter, and I pray that we can do a chapter a Sunday. I can't guarantee it, y'all. Uh, the Holy Spirit moves, it just seems have to move with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then I can't guarantee that we will always be on Acts. This is what we want to go through, but if the Lord says something different on the Sunday, then we will definitely follow what the Lord says on that Sunday. But I really want to dig deep into it, and I, and I know some of you guys, I don't know how you study, uh, but I... I'm a looking at every word, looking at every detail type person. Some, some of you guys just read. Um, I have this particular Bible just because I'm getting older and I need a bigger font, and so this is why I have this. <laughs> but then this is really a good study Bible because it has a lot more details in it. So I, I would suggest you get a good study Bible uh, that has information in it that you can utilize when we go through Acts. And then if there are questions that you have when we're going through the book of Acts, or if you've read through it before, and you want to ask a question, please feel free to share that with me. So when we get to that, I can be sure to answer that. There are some controversial things in Acts. And we're going to touch on one of them towards the end of this, hopefully. And uh, I'll, I'll leave you at a cliffhanger, and we'll get back to it when I'm finally up here. Um, said a lot. Praise the Lord. All right. <laughs> so now we can jump into Acts. Um, and we're going to look at uh, chapter 1, the first uh, 1 through 26. And, and right off the bat... Uh, it is referencing something in Luke. So Luke is referencing something that he wrote in Luke. And so this is another thing, too, about the book of Acts. Acts is a, it's two parts. So Luke is the first part, and Acts is the second part. And so Acts is a continuation of Luke. Uh, many times uh, people will put them together. Um, and so Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what they call synopsis or synopsis books. They're very similar. John is in a, uh, in a uh, book all by itself because it doesn't follow the same traditions or same patterns that Matthew, Mark, and Luke does. But Luke and Acts are written by Luke, uh, and his style of writing is seen throughout both of those. Uh, so looking at verse 1, the former account I made, so he's talking about the former account he made in Luke, uh, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So then he represents Theophilus. So to me, my mind is, who's Theophilus, right? That would be the first person I asked, and that first thing, like, okay, who's Theophilus? So Theophilus was, uh, he talked about his former account, Theophilus was probably his master, or someone that he had sent him out to do this writing. Um, so Luke was a physician, and so in reading this information, we found out physicians were actually, um, I wouldn't say slaves, but they worked for particular people. So rich people had their own physicians. Uh, and so he was doing this as a, so uh, Luke, we think of doctors as being wealthy in and of themselves, but he was owned or was working for a wealthy individual, Theophilus being that person. And Theophilus released him to say, hey, go follow Jesus, go see what's going on, and let me know. And that's why he had these writings. So that's who Theophilus is. Uh, so you can imagine that Luke is going through and writing in detail about what he's seeing so that he can give this information and send it back to Theophilus. Uh, it says, all right, so until the day in which he was taken up, talking about Jesus, after, through, after though the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. 
to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This is really important, you guys, because um, it proves Jesus has been doing something on purpose here. So it's one thing to say, well, he resurrected and then he went up to heaven. He could have slipped away and, we, and no one saw him. But it was important for him to prove that he was alive and he was resurrected. And uh, he didn't just want to slip away and then no one said, well, he, we think he's resurrected. He went away. We don't know. Well, he stayed after his resurrection for 40, some say 50 days, depending on what you're looking at, um, to show these people there's proof that I'm still alive. Uh, and this goes into how he left as well. But he went into showing that the infallible proof right here. Then it was one thing if he just proved himself and showed himself to his disciples. Because people then would have said, well, you guys were his followers anyway. You can tell us anything. You're lying. It didn't happen. And they're going about their business. But that wasn't the case. He showed himself to many people in many different situations in various places to prove that he was alive. And so this is important and foundational in that we serve a resurrected Jesus. He's not dead. He is alive. And these people were there. Many people were there to say, yes, we saw him. Um, I guess if it's like if somebody said, oh, I saw a UFO. But if one person says it, then it's like, oh, you're a little crazy. I, I can dismiss that. But if everyone, you know, 120 or 140 or 200 people in the area said, yeah, I saw the same thing, then that's harder to disprove. And you even have to do some investigation and say, well, I could one off someone and say they were on drugs or something, but I can't one off a whole <laughs> half a city or, you know, 200 individuals. Uh, and so this is what Jesus is trying to do. He's, he's proving to his followers that he is alive so that then they go out and say, we serve a risen Savior. And this is why I know, because I saw him, and I have proof that he's alive. Uh, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And again, so all this is really important to the foundation of the church. Let's just think about this. Uh, Jesus just got resurrected. Jesus is resurrected. He's now showing himself to his disciples and the people who are with him. And he's telling them to wait. And this goes against the go of the Great Commission that says, Go, therefore, and teach people and that, uh, and that all I have taught you and commanded you. Um, he's saying, wait. And the reason they're waiting, it's a good reason, waiting for the Holy Spirit. And he didn't say that I promised you. He said that the Father had promised you. And this, is, again, is really important because this talks about the Trinity. So here you have him talking about three different things. This is Jesus saying, I have a promise of the Father of the Holy Spirit. So he's, Jesus is re recognizing that there's God the Father and the Holy Spirit is on his way. Again, this is foundational. And so if, to me, like sometimes if you read through this, you miss some of this. You don't think about the totality of what this means. And you don't dig into it enough. And you miss that, oh, this is really foundational. This is Jesus recognizing that there's God the Father who promised the Holy Spirit. So there's that, tri that trinity uh, already being represented in what he's preaching here. 
I'm not even looking at my notes, you guys. I'm just going off of. So, yeah. So, there we have here Jesus recognizing, promising the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get more into the Holy Spirit. And and, um, and like I said, there's some really foundational things in Acts that we're going to discuss and talk about. And if there, you have any questions about anything, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about apostles. We're going to talk about what all that means, uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, the evidence of speaking in tongues. We're going to dig into it. So if you were afraid to talk about it before, we are going to talk about it now. <laughs> and if you have any questions about it, please, again, let me know, and we can um, try to address those when we get to that point. Uh, so 5, it says, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized uh, with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And so this is interesting because, you know, last Sunday I preached, I was supposed to do Proverbs, and I did, came from Luke. And this is very uh, indicative of the disciples because, so here is Jesus talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit, and what do the disciples have on their mind? <laughs> they have the same pattern where he was talking about him getting ready to die, and they're talking about who is greater. Now here we have here, the disciples have not changed much, saying, you know, uh, Lord, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel, the physical kingdom? So that's what they're thinking about. They're not thinking about, oh, this promise of the Holy Spirit and what what the power that's going to have. They're thinking about the kingdom, who's going to reign, and we're going to show those people, uh, establish our kingdom here on the earth. And Jesus is like, Come on, guys. No. <laughs> He's like, come on, guys. We just talked about this. You were asking who was greater in Luke, and now you're asking about the kingdom. This doesn't really follow what we're talking about, but I will answer your question. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power, and that's a dunamis power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This is good stuff right here, y'all. Let me unpack this a little bit. So, it is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. And I was just talking to someone about uh, allowing the Holy Spirit, uh, having some flexibility in your life. You know, sometimes we can be very structured, and we want to plan out everything. You know, i got to be married by this time. I need to have this many children by this date. I need to have this much money, and I need to have buy this house, and my children need to be out of my house by this time. Yes, my children need to be out of my house. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You don't. <laughs> but, yeah, we like to plan out our life. And sometimes we get disappointed when we, it is said to us, it is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. His own authority. It is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. I'm going to say that again. It is not for you to know <laughs> the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. And this goes back to what, it, what we were preaching last. I didn't realize this was going to piggyback on that. But in that waiting, in that time where he's testing your faith to bring about patience, you don't always know. What's going to happen? You don't know when it's going to happen. You may know something's going to happen. And the testing and trying of your faith is to produce patience. And this is what he's saying here. Basically, hey, you don't have to know. And you don't know. It's, it's up to the Father's time. No, the Father knows this. 
but it's not in your authority to know. But let me redirect you to what I said previously, that I will give you the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power from on high. And then this talks about, uh, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and all to the end of the earth. So let's think about this. So Acts is, is the beginning of the early church and the start of uh, where the church starts, the Christian church starts. Are, are we in Acts now? Are we still the church? And if someone wanted to record what was going on in the church now, could they not record and say this, we are a continuation of Acts? Now, I'm not saying that we should write or add anything to the Bible, but <laughs> we are still the church. And we can see how it formed. So we can see that, hey, it started in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria. And then it has reached all the way to the United States. Right? That's a far reach, right? It's traveled a lot. And that's why it's it's important. This is important because, too, you know, so people can say, well, Christian is a Western religion. Well, that is false. Because, (laughs) as you can see... (laughs) It is really a uh, 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 Middle Eastern uh, <laughs> Jewish. It is not an American religion. It's traveled over here. Praise Lord. Thanks for the Holy Spirit and the power and the, what the disciples did. And the continually making of the disciples through years and years of passing on the witness of the resurrected Christ. That now we are Christians as well because we believe what happened some 2,000 years ago. And so now we can say, yes, we can see how that word has spread over generations to the ends of the earth and continues to spread. We pray that we continue to spread the word of God in our small circle and then even outside of that and then even outside of that even more. Uh, Verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Again, this is important. His ascension is important. Uh, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, instructed the apostles regarding what to do in his absence. He had given them commandment to uh, wait for the Holy Spirit. Uh, And it was important for them to see him go up. Again, going back to, hey, we witnessed the resurrected Jesus Christ ascend into heaven. And now he's sitting on the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. And it's important for us to be, it's important for the disciples to see that so that they can be witnesses to that and then tell others that they saw it. Verse 10, And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, uh, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will soon, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And then, then they returned to Jerusalem and out of the Mount of Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. All this is really good. I'm not, I can't go into all the details of what this means. I mean, I'm going to hit on some of it. But it says, uh, so he leaves and he's going to return in like manner. So there's two things. So uh, he's going to return, and we're going to be caught up. So he's not going to come to the earth. We're going to caught up, and, caught up and meet him in the air. But then there will be a time of tribulation, and then he will return to the earth after that. That's a whole, that's a whole theological 
uh, <laughs> endeavor that we can go on. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, but then he says, in like manner, he's going to return. And it says in, uh, I th- only say in Revelation, that he will return to the earth. And he's going to return to that same mountain. He's going to return uh, in the same way that he uh, left. And so this is all important. This is pre, uh, letting us know, getting a gleaning of what he did here so that we know when he returns, this is what, he's gonna, this is what it's going to look like. And I can get into more of these details about what some of this stuff means, but we're going to move on. Um, <laughs> so his ascension, we have his ascension. And then, let's see, we're at 13. All right. Uh, and then, then let me quickly say about the Sabbath day's journey. So a Sabbath day's journey um, is thought to be, uh, so during this time, they were cert- if it was on the Sabbath day, they, only, they couldn't do any work on the Sabbath day. And on a Sabbath day's journey, meaning that they could walk, but they couldn't walk so much that it seemed like work. I like the Sabbath. I, I, we should reinforce that again. <laughs> uh, but a Sabbath day's journey was thought to be uh, the distance from, for looking at Old Testament, the distance from the inner court to the last tent that was surrounded the inner court. So that's what a Sabbath day's journey was. So you were able to walk from the last tent surrounding the inner court uh, to the, the holies of holies. That's the distance of a Sabbath day's journey. They said it was probably more like three-fourths of a mile, uh, but that's the thought behind what a Sabbath day's journey was. This is the type of stuff I like. I, I get so excited about I don't know you about you guys. You're like, who cares? But, <laughs> but I really like knowing that because it just brings this to life. So then when I hear someone say, when I see this again, I know what a Sabbath day's journey is and what that meant in the distance. Um, so, yeah, anyway, we're going to go on. Verse 13. And when they entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Aphelius, and Simon, the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And so this is good. Okay, there's a lot of good stuff here. I'm not going to be able to get into all. But <laughs> um, so this is naming off some of the disciples, and then it talks about Mary and then Jesus' brother. And this is important because, one, in the early church, so this is probably one of the last places that Mary, Jesus' mother, is mentioned. And so this is important because uh, in the early church, Mary was not esteemed. You don't hear mention of Mary in the early church. It wasn't until the 14th century, they say, that, uh, you know, and this is why you, you need to know the word for yourself because if you don't, then you will think certain things or assume certain things about the word that people may tell you, but it's not accurate. So in the early church, Mary was not esteemed. Mary is just Mary. She was mother of Jesus. Even Jesus said, who is my mother? Who is my father? He didn't esteem her as to be some holy, holier-than-thou kind of individual. And I'm not trying to beat down on um, Catholicism, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, she wasn't esteemed. And then there's a theory that she was a perpetual virgin, meaning that she had Jesus and that she never had any more children. Well, that wasn't true because Jesus was the first child, and he said his brothers. And I think there's some place where he said he had sisters as well. So she didn't just have uh, Jesus. She had at least four, I think, four sons, and then maybe even some, some daughters as well. So it wasn't like she had no more children. 
And so here's a theory. This is just man making up stuff. And I don't know where they pulled this stuff out of the air. Because, like, how, how do you get this when the word clearly says his brothers, and she, her and Joseph obviously had more children. So it was this theory about her being a perpetual virgin, and she's been esteemed so highly because she was so pure. No, she, her and Joseph had kids, and they married, and they worked, and they did the things that married people do. Um, <laughs> beat children. Yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> just kidding. They don't. I'm just kidding. That's not, not what married people do. Um, anyway. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so that's that. And he talks about his brothers. And it's interesting because his brothers, when Jesus was in ministry, his brothers were not around. They didn't, I don't think they believed. They weren't part of his discipleship group. They weren't <laughs> in the inner circle. They, they were just his brothers. But then after his resurrection, they believed. And then you'll find that, you know, Peter, we'll find here that Peter is a, is a leader amongst them initially. But then even later, and we'll look at this in the later chapters, that Peter gives deference to James, Jesus' brother. So it's like, hey, you know what? Um, Peter was a leader, but now he's given his one of Jesus' brothers who thought Jesus was just his brother, or half-brother, I should say, is now a leader amongst the early church, in the early church. Uh, and, so, and so verse 15, it says, Indeed, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, Peter being one of the leaders, uh, altogether, the number of names were about 120. So these are the men and women that were with them. Men and brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Scripture spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas. So this is this. So now this is them making the decision about uh, who should be uh, considered an apostle. This is really good. And then we'll end after this. Yes. Because we got uh, communion. Not yet, not yet, but <laughs> I know Josh is ready. He's chomping at the bit for us to take communion. <laughs> um, and it says, so men and brethren, the, the scripture had to be fulfilled with the Holy Spirit spoke before. So this is even uh, uh, Peter talking about the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. So, it's t- so he's referencing the scriptures about how to make this decision about how to choose another apostle. Because now Judas has committed suicide. And here, here he's saying, he says, For he was numbered with us and obtained a part of this ministry. Talking about Judas. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and, and fallen headlong. He burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. TMI, right? Peter stood up for everybody to tell us that. <laughs> what in the world? You could have saved that speech <laughs> some other time. He said, and it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem uh, so that that field is called in their own language, Akil Dama, uh, which is a field of blood. Uh, so it's because uh, he's referencing these, uh, so he's going to re- reference these scriptures in Psalms. And so what happens here, I think, is really good is that uh, Peter. Again, a leader, and uh, Luke, the physician, gives us a little bit more detail about what happened to Judas. And so you find in the uh, in the Gospels where it says Judas hanged himself, and that is true. But Peter gives us a little more detail. So uh, Judas hangs himself. The rope breaks. He falls on some rocks, and all his innards fall out. 
And that's just like the physician to give you those kind of details because that would be interesting to him. Uh, because, you know, I'm, I like that kind of stuff. Gross and like, oh, that's really gross. And yeah, that's, that's neat that that's in there. Uh, <laughs> Peter stood up to say that. But yeah, so Luke would give you those kind of details, whereas other people who would find it gross would be like, why? I'm, not, I'm just going to say he hung himself and not go through the gory details of his innocence spilled out on the rock. Um, and I'm sure the women there, some of them might have thought it was disgusting too. Like, Come on, Peter. <laughs> uh, verse 20, it says, Where it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let, no un- let another take his office. So he's referencing this as a reason to find a replacement for Judas. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So he's talking about how, how they're going to make this choice. So it says, someone who was from the be- there from the beginning and who witnessed the resurrection. And they proposed two. So they had two, uh, two options. They said, uh, Joseph called Bar- Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice. Yeah. <laughs> and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, O Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast lots. This is so interesting to me, (laughs) y'all. They prayed, and then they cast lots. Like, why would you pray if you're going to cast lots? I don't understand uh, that. We're going to get into a little bit more detail about that next time. But they prayed, and they cast lots, and they chose Matthias. And he was numbered among the 11 apostles. So then that made a completion of the 12. And so you may ask yourself, I need to finish up. <laughs> you may ask yourself, why did Peter feel it necessary to have 12? Would it, would it have been okay to just have the 11 and be like, we're just going to have 11 and that's it? And then why did they have to make the decision then? And so if you, if you do some research in this, you could, you could spend days studying this stuff. Um, but what some say is they made a mistake. Some, some, some commentaries say they made a mistake. They should have chose Paul. They said they should have waited and uh, not cast Lot, and they should have chose Paul, and Paul would have been the 12th apostle. Um, there's theory as to um, why they cast Lot, and why did they pray, and we're going to get into that next time. My question I leave to you, uh, and you can do some research, and we'll answer that the next time, is, uh, is there a need for apostles today, or can you have an apostle today? And so that is a big debate among theologians. And we're going to talk about this. I'm, I'm going to close after this. We can have Joshua. Come on, come on, Joshua, because you make me shut up. Um, <laughs> um, there, there are things that are important to the foundation of uh, our Christianity. And those call a first level. Uh, I, there are some terms people use. But this, this, these are things we can't negotiate on. But then there are other things that may be second level or third level that says, you know, yeah, you can believe differently or land at a different place than I land, and you still are a Christian. You know, there are second levels there. So I would consider this apostle debate a second level thing. It's not something that's, you know, hey, you're not a Christian because you believe 
that there can't be apostles, or you're you're a Christian because you believe there aren't apostles now. That's that's not. It's important, but it's not important to. Uh, it's not a first level thing. So we'll talk about some of those things later. Uh, but we're gonna have, yeah. Nunez, we'll close. Come on, come on up, Joshua. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.